Hey gang, you got Jake from Ghostly Activities. And today, I'm going to go over some gadgets that, well, I never bring on a ghost hunt. Well, I shouldn't say never. I rarely use them. And when I do, it's very strategic. So, when it comes to the gadgets, they're not all created equally. A lot of them have to do with accuracy and resolution. So keep that stuff in mind as we go through the list. Um, like a... Uh, you know, I wish I could tell you for sure. I would say in 95% of the cases, I don't use these gadgets. Uh, it, sometimes sometimes they're very useful, so I'm not going to hate. But a lot of these gadgets are going to leave behind. So if you hear the rustling and stuff, that's my little sheet of paper. I made an outline here. And let's start it off with EMF detectors. Now, the two most common EMF detectors that I don't use... Um, that a lot of other ghost hunting teams do use. That's the K2 meter and the ghost meter. And when, when you're first getting into ghost hunting, I completely understand why you would get these. They're not as expensive. I think they both go for 50 to 75 bucks on Amazon. Um, the big reason I don't use a K2 and a ghost meter is their accuracy. They're very, very sensitive and they'll go off on anything really like you could sneeze it'll go up to five <laughs> so they're very responsive to their environments uh, they pick up every single wavelength you could imagine when it comes to energy it, you know you move your hand a little bit it's going to light up it's going to flare for the k2 when it comes to the ghost meter that the needle is going to start bouncing up and down and they're not all that accurate um, I've done plenty of tests with both devices where I've had an EM pump and the EM pump for sure gives off three milligauss. Um, sometimes it can pump up to five and the K2 is going crazy. It's in the red, which means you pretty much have a microwave going off right in front of it. And the ghost meter is also going crazy. So I, I don't use them because of the accuracy issues. And the other thing is they're single uh, meter readers, or I mean, um, so you've heard about the tri-field meter if you haven't. It's a three-axis device. So it, it's picking up more of an area to, to measure the EM field that, it, that it's uh, detecting. And in the case of the K2 and the ghost meter, well, it's just, it, it's not as sensitive, which is kind of weird that it picks up everything, but it's not so sensitive, right? Um, but I, ha I have used the K2 meter mainly when it comes to engagement sessions and um, so that if you're asking EVP, you can see if it's going off, if you're asking it to touch it or something's there. I I've used a K2 for that, but I usually always skip the ghost meter. And again, it's the accuracy. Next up on the list is with audio recorders. Now with an audio recorder, um, I, I only use digital ones. A lot of people still have tape. And really, I mean, we're at the age now where if you're going to analyze your evidence, it's software, right? You can't necessarily put tape through your Mac or PC, especially for Audacity. You'd have to transfer it over and turn it into a digital wavelength. And there's all this studio setup that I just haven't had any experience with. So the problem with tape, just beside it, besides its being inconvenient, is 
it, you can pick up the whirring of the device anytime you, especially if it's a handheld one, anytime you move your hand, it's going to click and clack. So you could get a lot of false positives with it. And really just, just for convenience, we're in the age, it's a digital age now. So I would say use your voice memo or voice notes on your smartphone. If you don't have anything handy, it'll work out just fine. Oh, I will say skip every single app out there that you can get for your phone. All the apps are bullshit. End of discussion on that one. But with audio recorders, go digital. Just skip anything to do with tape. Next device is the digital thermometer. Now, if it's if the digital thermometer is part of, say, your EMF meter, like the Mel 8704, or was it 8704R or 80? You know which one I'm talking about. You see them on all the ghosty shows. That one does have a temperature gauge in it. It's not. It doesn't read as fast, so you have to give it a little more time. The problem with digital thermometers, especially because they've got a laser, they go through a huge area, they hit everything, they hit the walls, they hit windows. If a ghost was manifesting or something like that and you point it at it, it's really going to pick up the temperature for what the laser hits behind it, the solid object. Remember, ghosties aren't so solid. And so I just don't see the practicality of using it if it's not going to be so accurate, you know? The other thing is the range. It's really only made to be used within, say, three to five feet. Um, I mean, if, if you're at a nuclear plant, right? <laughs> you can aim it and go farther and a lot of the text do stuff like that. Uh, th this will bring us up to the next one, which deals with the um, thermal imaging cameras and stuff. But I would say skip the digital thermal, I'm sorry, the digital thermometer, especially with the laser, simply because it's always going to give you false readings uh, I shouldn't say all, always. Maybe I'm, I'm hyperbolizing that. It's just it's not intended to pass through uh, incorporeal objects like ghosts. So you might get a flicker. It's not going to read that. It's what the laser hits. And that brings us up to the thermal imaging cameras. So, you know, I'm guilty. I've got a FLIR T165. Um, I've used it on ghost hunts before. It's not... Hmm. How can I say this? The resolution is awful on it. It's just, it doesn't have enough resolution. Everything's going to look like a blob in it, unless you're really close up to something. And so if you're doing a large area and you're using, using these thermal imaging, especially the intro models, everything's going to look like a blob. You can't make anything out. Um, it's really easy to debunk them. So if you're going to go the route of thermal imaging, you probably got to shell out a thousand bucks or more for the higher resolution device, which isn't very practical for most ghost hunting teams. You could do, I mean, there's, there've been advances like the, there's the FLIR one that's gotten better, but I would say you can skip it unless you can get the really high end thermal imaging cameras. And so we're looking at resolutions at least like HD quality, right? Um, you want it a good 720 or higher. I'm, the one I've got, I think it's like 200 by something. It's just, it's blobby. You can't, you can't make out any details. Um, you just get, 
And and the other thing is someone could have been in the room an hour before you and it's going to be a few degrees hotter uh, if they were leaning up against the wall or something. So there's a lot of false positives there. Um, yeah, I'm not going to bring it so much on my ghost hunts anymore. Next up, we've got digital cameras and digital camcorders. Um, so generally speaking, a lot of the newer models do a really good job with handling low light conditions. I have a Bell and Howl. I think it's a T7 is the name of it. Uh, it's the Slim series. It is not so good. I still use it, by the way. It's not that great. Um, I get a lot of blurry photos. It has a problem focusing with the infrared light in the dark. Now, it's it's different, you know, if you've got an LED light that you're going to set up or an even more high-powered, um, you know, they've got those big IR lamps that are like floodlights. I guess you could use that. I, I don't know how practical that is for most teams, though. And I get a lot of blurry photos. It does pick up a lot of pixelization. It'll give me rods. And that has to do with the shutter speed. It stays open. Something moves. You get a rod. Uh, you can see every flake of dust in the air with the light reflecting off of it. And then it also gives you this weird bullseye effect, the big circle. It's just how they've set up the lights around the, um, around the lens. So... Eh. Uh, like I said, I, I think with newer cameras, and most of the ghost hunting specific cameras have moved to full spectrum now, um, I, I would say upgrade your equipment for that one. Or you can just use a regular digital camera. So let's let's be real here. We're talking uh, digital cameras are really good. You know, you can put on the autofocus, let it take care of all the lighting conditions, and, and you'll get a better quality a picture out of that. What I do is I use now, I use a lot more of the full HD camcorders. And with those, you can export a frame. Now, if you don't have video editing software, it's going to be a bit tougher, right? So you can still use your, your digital camera, your high end. It's just nowadays with the shift to web video, you pretty much have to publish a video so everyone can see the full context and then, you know, complement it with the still images. But a lot of infrared and full spectrum cameras, especially if they're over, say, three years old, aren't so good. Um, and the same thing goes for the camcorders as well. They've gotten much better. I had a Bell & Howell full spectrum for the longest time. Battery life was awful. Um didn't work so well, couldn't focus under low light conditions with full spectrum light. Now I've changed it and I've got a Canon XA11, which I know most people aren't going to go out and buy. Uh, but it's really, it's a really, uh, I guess they would call it a prosumer, a prosumer camcorder. So it's at that very level. It's high end for consumer, kind of low end for a professional camera or camcorder. That one works really well. I get really great clear pictures. I can handle low light. I can export the pictures. Uh, but, you know, before that, I've had a previous version of a Vixia, Vixia camcorder. Couldn't focus for crap in the dark and under full spectrum. So, like I said, I, I would say upgrade the tech. A lot of the camcorders now work very well under low light conditions and using infrared or full spectrum light 
but let's be real. The best evidence has been captured under normal light conditions. Uh, so I'm saying shoot in both full spectrum and, and with normal light and compare the photos. Let's see. Um, oh yeah, I always wanted to talk about GoPros here with the camcorders. Uh, so I like them. I find that it, with the wide angle, it's really hard to get good details. And if you're going to go prove the ghost hunting, I mean, you can shoot a lot of these are full HD or up to 4K and you can zoom in and crop. I just don't know if if most people have those video editing skills. So, I mean, when I use them, I put them in the back of the room, set up the full spectrum lights or the regular lights so it gets so it can get a good capture of the area under investigation. Um, yeah, you got to experiment with your GoPros on it. The other thing is the battery life is for crap. And, you know, after two hours, usually it's filled up your memory card. So you always have to replace it. Me. I would rather shoot with a camcorder that can go for hours and hours and hours. This brings me to another device, which is the spirit boxes. Um, don't pay for them. <laughs> it, you know, you've got the spirit box seven SB seven. You got the SB 11, which is the dual channel that do the sweeping between AM and FM on two separate channels so you can get a wider range of the uh, bandwidth and then you've got the different ghost portals yeah just skip them there's a lot of static it's very easy for you to matrix things as it goes through the different radio frequencies and you know they're annoying af <laughs> so uh what i've shifted to is I just use the white noise generator that you'd use to go to sleep. And I've had good results when we're doing that white noise. The other thing is you can control the volume better. SB, the spirit boxes are just loud. And you can't really, I mean, if you're going to have your, your digital recorder there to for audio collection to get your EVPs, I'm telling you, the SB7, SB11, the ghost, it's just going to, well, maybe not the ghost portals. But the spirit boxes are just going to jack up your audio. It's going to be hard to review it. So how I do things now is I just have that simple white noise generator out, which is like 20 bucks on Amazon, if that. And I put my um, zooms. I got an H1N and an H4N Pro. I put those on the other side of the room when I'm running it because that static is going to be really loud on those devices. And, you know, I run my EVP session. I usually, when I do the white noise thing, though, I use it more for engagement to say, hey, you know, can you touch, touch the boo buddy? Can you, things like that. I'll, I'll put cards, dice, trigger objects and stuff on the table. And I've, I've get, had really good results just by using a white noise generator for all sorts of things, not like EVP, it's like shadows, it's for engagement with devices, you know, get the EMF meter to go off, keep your EMF meter away from the white noise, it does give off, the white noise generator does give off an EM field, and that's important to know, because false objects, so make sure it's a good three feet away, and, you know, I go about conducting my 
my trigger, I should say engagement sessions uh, with the white noise generator. But I skip the spirit box 7, 11, and most ghost portals because it's really random noise that comes out of it. Unless you're getting a disembodied voice, I, I, I would not consider any sound bites you pick up through those radio-generated devices as being good quality evidence. So just go with a white noise generator and set up some engagement and set up an engagement session and skip the price. Because like I said, the Spirit Box 7 is going to start, I think it starts about 75 bucks. The Spirit Box 11 is between like um, about 110 to 125 It depends on where you buy it. And you know how expensive the ghost portals can be like. The standard one starts at about 500 bucks and it goes up. So, I mean, that's probably not a practical price point. And um, so those are my recommendations, guys. Um, oh, yeah. Spirit communication and divination. I forgot all about this. I'm glad I brought the list or I would have, would have skipped it entirely. Uh, so let's talk about that. Um, and there you probably picked up the paper I'm, I'm pulling up here. So it's the spirit communication and divination on your ghost hunts. These are things like Ouija boards, runes, tarot cards. You bring the mirror for scrying. You've got dowsing rods. Just don't. Um, so, you know, go ahead in the comments. Leave the hate mail if you want. <laughs> uh, you're going to miss a lot of valuable investigating time if you do this. Now, I will say, if the purpose is just spirit communication and you're running a true paranormal session, you want to, like, channel the spiritualist things and test, by all means, go ahead and do it. But none of this evidence that you collect with these devices is going to stand up upon review. I mean, if you do get something really interesting, you said, yeah, we got this Ouija board session, I was feeling horrible, and blah, blah. It's not, it's not objective enough to handle the scrutiny from the skeptics. It will always get shot down. And if the point is to prove that you've got a ghost manifesting, this is probably not the way to do it. So some of the things um, that come up, especially with Ouija boards and dowsing rods, we have this thing called the idiom idiomatic response. I think that's the name of it. I could be wrong on this. And that is just... You can't keep your hands perfectly still. You've got nerves firing, and it's going to make it move. Uh, so since it's your own body and your nerves and this, you know, scientifically proven, no one's going to count if the ghost moved it to yes, no, spelt a name or anything like that. That's going to be your nervous response to your subconscious. And everything you collect with those will be shot down. Now, when it comes to runes and tarot cards, that's going to be too random to hold up to uh, scientific scrutiny. Um, you know, it's just, they're just going to say, well, this is a random occurrence of you just ad hoc, uh, randomly picking out a rune, tarot cards, arranging them, and then your own personal interpretation. That can't be replicated in an experiment. And then scrying which is this is where you look into water or a mirror and you say, you know, what you're, you know, what you're envisioning or your psychic impressions are bringing back to you. Um, that's not going to stand up either. It can't be replicated. It's too personal. So 
that's why I would skip them for your ghost hunts. Plus, it takes a lot of time to set this stuff up when you could be running an engagement session EVP, you know, setting up cameras around the house and getting something a bit more objective. All this stuff we're talking about with spirit communication divination is very, very subjective and a personal experience and personal experiences just don't hold up uh, when it's put under a very objective scientific review so that's my bit thanks for listening to me um, prather about I don't even know if that's a word how rattle off my gadgets <laughs> I mean the gadgets I don't use and why I don't use them okay thanks very much guys take care